Blake's Beginner Tips Number One with Blake Nancaro on episode 343 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for everybody who enjoys going out under the stars. So this is going to be the first in a short, maybe a very short series on beginner astronomy tips with Blake. I'll just read a brief bio and then we will get started. Blake is a child of the space race. Blake Nancaro developed an early interest in science and astronomy. He bought his first telescope in 1990 and in 2007 joined the RASC. He was trained to operate the telescopes at the Carr Astronomical Observatory and David Dunlop Observatory. He was a frequent contributor to Sky News Magazine and writes the binary universe for the Journal of the RASC. Blake built the Stellarium Training Series, which I am slowly currently working through. It's just excellent for RASC members out there. It's free and well worth your time. Uh, he's also a longtime member of the National Observing Committee. And in 2020, we twisted his rubber arm and got him to be the chair of the Observing Committee <laughs> in daylight. Blake, like both Shane and I, work in the information technology industry. Welcome back to the show, Blake. It's always so much fun to talk to you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Have you been? I've been doing okay, ups and downs, but overall, good. Excellent. And we're going to go off to the AGM later today, but first we're going to do a couple of these shorts. And then I understand in this short series of the two that we're recording today for Blake's beginner tips, we're going to talk about learning something. It's been a while since I was a beginner and learning the language of amateur astronomy has been confusing for many newcomers who often we hear say, it's all Greek to me. So with that, where would you like to begin with tip number one, Blake? If it's all Greek to you, then that's actually not wrong. There, <laughs> there, there is Greek in astronomy. I think a lot of people are sort of really surprised by that when, when starting out. Um, you know, uh, they people get their telescope or they get their binoculars, they get their, their star chart, they get some software, they get their cameras, they get all their adapters, and and then they're trying to find things in the sky and there's all these greek symbols and greek letters all over the place which which i think catches people off guard they're they didn't know that didn't know that was happening so in the end you need to know the greek alphabet you know you don't have to speak greek <laughs> but you need to know the greek alphabet so did you know, did anybody tell you that getting into the hobby? Uh, so uh, yeah. what's what's an example of some of the Greek letters? And in fact, people may be a little bit more familiar with these Greek letters than they might have been, say, three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, why might that be? <laughs> the, the Greek letters are used in lots of different places. Um, and and uh, uh, probably lots of people know a few already. Alpha. Mm -hmm. Beta, gamma, probably heard those. There's a biblical reference uh, that people may be familiar with, the alpha and the omega, meaning the first and the last. So, so we have clues in other places. And there's modern references in, in Formula One racing. I, I follow Formula One racing. One of the teams is Alpha Tori. Hmm. So, so there's kind of an astronomical reference there and a bit of Greek. Uh, back in the seventies, we, we had the videotape wars 
and there was the regular videotape, but then Betamax, which didn't make it, didn't win. No. And and in math, in high school math or public school math, we learn we learn about pi, the that symbol, the the symbol itself and and what it means mathematically. It's just used as a like a placeholder or a short form to mean that, you know, mysterious number, three point one four one five, blah, blah, blah. So, so we we're kind of surrounded by Greek in in other places, and you might even know what some of the symbols look like. The alpha symbol looks a little bit like a goldfish, and the beta looks like an uppercase B written in a cursive style, and the gamma looks like a an uppercase Y maybe in a cursive style. So again, it's kind of all around us. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is a really good topic, Blake, and and I, I I agree with you in that it's it's well overlooked, especially for new folks entering the hobby. Um, now, why would like what what is the astronomical uh, use case for the the Greek alphabet? Like, why would you want to know it when you're getting into astronomy? The the bottom line is that charts use it. So if you look at any astronomical chart. And it shows you celestial markings in the sky, the stars and the constellation patterns, maybe, and things like that. You, you'll see that the the letters show up there. You'll see the alpha, beta, gamma, and other symbols there. So the, this was because the early, astronomer, uh, uh, early astronomers used it. And the ancient astronomers wanted a way to uh, identify stars that were in a constellation that's why yeah um i <laughs> you know i find myself still at times having to google uh you know <laughs> what is the symbol for uh gamma <laughs> you know because yeah. you you read uh, especially like uh, uh double stars you'll read you know it's it, look for the gamma star in whatever constellation uh, great, but if you don't know what that gamma symbol looks like, it's kind of hard to locate it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And and the ancient astronomers, right, they were working uh, before there were telescopes, right? Mm -hmm. So what could they see with their eyes that they were trying to mark and consistently identify stars in a constellation? And they thought at the time, Hey, let's use our Greek alphabet. We got plenty of letters in that. We got 24 letters in our Greek alphabet. And, and we'll use those to mark all of the stars in the constellation. So, so we're good. Um, that'll take care of all the, the, those basic designations. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly makes a lot of sense uh, once, once you know that background um but uh you know having that reference or or again learning it is is a huge benefit i think mm -hmm. um the uh the astronomers you reference um you know that was probably what would it be a lot of naked eye observing or or before telescopes yeah yeah so with just their eyes they could see you know x x number of stars in a constellation and again it seemed like the greek alphabet was plenty, but we've moved on obviously since then. And today, 
we have many designations. We we still use the Greek letter system. It works, and it's called the Bayer system. So the Bayer system uses this Greek letter system with up to 24 letters. But when telescopes came along, we started seeing more stars, of course. And and we started to go beyond. We ran out of letters. We, we needed more than 24. So a, another system was invented called the Flamesteed system. And that just uses numbers. So now there's no limit. If a constellation has more than 24 stars, and they do, then then we uh, we can use the flame seed system and there's also been other systems other uh, astronomers uh, have developed their own catalogs like henry draper so the hd number that you would see for a star that's from the henry draper catalog and then we now we modern days we have telescope surveys like the hipparchus survey and the very modern gaia uh survey from the European Space Agency. So now start the number of stars in a constellation, hundreds, thousands. Dare I say more? It it can be a little confusing because when you you click on a star in your planetarium software now, it it comes up with this giant list. You know, I think you put beta signi here, which is also yeah. six signi, which has an Aparcus number, and it just goes on and on and on down to the Gaia, and then it probably has like a Hubble guide star catalog number and a Bonner Dermuskerung number and all that kind of <laughs> stuff uh, associated. Sure. So, like, how is it all relevant today, and how can people use this with their own uh, astronomy uh, charts and software? Yeah, it, it it means that when you use a paper chart or atlas today, and that could be the Pocket Sky Atlas. I think you, you guys recommend that often, right? Um, and, and then when we look in our computer software or uh, mobile apps like Sky Safari or Stellarium, we'll, we'll see that these, these references are used. Uh, and we'll also see that the Greek letters uh, are used as well. Now, in the, in the early days, I was confused by this and, and you know, I'd be looking at a magazine and they'd show um, some stars and the Greek letters would be there. And I didn't know many beyond the, you know, the alpha and the beta. And, and in some cases, I recognize the symbol like alpha or beta. But, you know, there were other symbols, some say something that looked like the letter X. I, d I didn't know what that meant. Or sometimes a magazine or a, a, a website, an article would talk about some stars by their name. So it, they would spell it out NU for new or XI for Xi. And, and again, I didn't know what the symbols were for these. I didn't know how to sort of correlate them. And, and it didn't help matters that I found errors later on in resources from sky and telescope and from the rask observers handbook you know and these have been corrected i helped correct some of these um over time but I, I realized at one point oh i i need to learn the greek alphabet i need to figure it out and it was a little intimidating but but the good news is that 
if you all try this, it's pretty easy to do. We're not learning the full Greek language. You don't have to speak Greek. There's fewer letters to learn about than in the English alphabet, 24 versus 26. And we actually only need to worry about the lowercase letters, really, for the star names. I also wanted to learn how to pronounce them. And that was partly because I do astronomy talk. So Mm -hmm. that that was my sort of mission early on is that, oh, I got to learn Greek. Okay, what can I do to figure it out? So I'm right there with you. You know, this is one thing, although this might sound either abstract or maybe challenging or, you know, just very apart from your usual night to night observations at the telescope. This can be very useful when you're reading observing articles, especially older observing articles, as well when you're actually looking at the charts themselves. And I and I sort of have come to recognize the symbols and have sort of a working at the telescope knowledge of it. But then when I'm trying to sort of translate it or like to talk to Mike or Shane or whoever else is out observing, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's the thing with the little, thing. you know, like you're trying to describe the character yeah. itself, yeah. Do, right? The doohickey. The doohickey, exactly. Right? Perfect description. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes, I see that. So, like, how can people learn all this themselves? Early on, when I was trying to learn this, I, I did a, a bunch of things. I, I looked up some tables of the Greek letters. Uh, I did find a great website at one, one point, and uh, I actually went there to check it a couple of days ago and sadly found out that uh, one of the tools on that website was no longer available. What, what, the, what the website would do is uh, uh, kind of do a drill. It would randomly pick a Greek letter, show it to me, and I had to identify which letter it was. Uh, and, and it did that in a variety of different means or tricks and so on. I contacted the website owner, Hen- Henrik, and he had shut it down because of server attacks and so on. Uh, he's thinking about re-implementing it, but but it's gone. Hmm. Um, I, so I did a quick search uh, just to look up a table, and there's lots of them um, at the website thoughtco.com. So thoughtco.com. Uh, I found a page that talks about learning the Greek alphabet, and they have a table. They've got some brief just explanations. You know, I, I thought it was pretty good. So uh, that's probably one easy thing to do. Anybody can do that now. Uh, uh, internet search, maybe in a, a basic astronomy book, if it's good, we'll have that also, excuse me, at the beginning that there'll be a um, a table with all the Greek letters in it. But I also did something proactively. I did drills. So I I really wanted to sort of master the letters. So I, I tested myself. I'd, you know, I'd be out somewhere twiddling my thumbs, maybe uh, sitting in a waiting room. Uh, it was a, going to a Greek restaurant. Going could exactly <laughs> um, on the bus, going to the Greek restaurant uh, <laughs> or a rainy Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I'd, I'd be thinking uh, it would pop into my head. Oh, I, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta practice my Greek. So what I would do is write down the letters in sequence: alpha, beta, 
gamma, delta. And I would keep going. I'd go through the whole thing and I'd make sure that I had all the 24 letters in the right sequence. And over time, I would add the symbols to that and make sure that I had all the symbols correctly drawn there. Interestingly, I found some variants to some of the symbols too. Mm-hmm. Some of the atlases use slightly different symbols. So I, I practiced sort of learning them as well. And that too much, too much, uh, comic sans out there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it, it was really just sort of testing like that random sort of checks and testing. I, I wish there was a website tool out there. I can't find one, but maybe I'll keep looking. Maybe I can find one again, but that, that maybe took a year of just sort of casual testing. And now, now it's second nature. Now, now I don't think about it. You know, it's like anything you just practice it. You, you start to use it, apply it right away, but it's been so useful. Um, now it it's helped my astronomy uh, greatly. And and um, I can look at a chart. I know what the letters mean. When a magazine uh, says, check out this star, gamma, uh, um, you know, Signy, uh, I know what they're talking about. I know where to go. Uh, so... Is there any variance in the charts? Like, is, like are all the charts pretty homogenous in their usage or or is there a lot of differences it they're pretty good there are some subtle differences with some of the greek letters like how the letter sigma may be shown it's a little different in some cases but uh but it's pretty minor um overall but it is the kind of thing where it's it's a stylistic thing you know will Tyrion, you know a chart a cartographer, he'll do it one way and other cartographers will do it a different way. So, so you, you'll run into it every once in a while, but it's usually not that significant. Like, do you have a good personal reference? You've got a great website with all kinds of resources that people might find helpful. And I find it helpful. I actually use your website from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's a good, uh, Part of your website, people should go and check out for this uh, Greek learning. I, I have a companion uh, uh, website that goes beside my blog, and and on that I have evergreen material, so that this Greek stuff has gone to, uh, or it's posted on my website. So computer ease dot com slash dark skies slash all Greek dot htm. That will pull up a, a good sort of reference. That's a table with all the Greek letters in it. Part of the reason that I made that is that I wanted to be able to recreate the Greek letters uh, on my blog and in my articles and in presentations that I that I was doing. So, um, so I, I put that sort of out there. And I talk about also how to make symbols on windows computers it's pretty easy to do on windows the macintosh i don't have as much experience with but a little, little more challenging there but but can be done uh, um i did want to give some warnings here okay uh we talked about the alternate symbols a little bit but there's some other things that are kind of tricky or wild and woolly and it really crops up when we get into double double stars. You might see a reference that looks like the letter O, 
and then a funny looking letter E or two of them. So O E E one O two, for example, mm-hmm. that, that might be somebody's first impression. If you look closely, it's it's it still looks like an O, uh, but those next two letters are the Greek character sigma in uppercase. So it's actually Omicron sigma sigma um, that that we're seeing, and and some people misinterpret that. They think that that is referring to some Bayer star, mm. but that that's a double star. That that refers to the Otto Struve catalog. So Omicron sigma, sigma refers to Otto Struve, and when there's two sigmas. It refer, refers to his uh, secondary or, or tertiary material, an appendix, appendix A. Right. So Otto Struve, Struve 102, it refers to the Struve, Otto Struve appendix A catalog 102 star. So very, very confusing. It really trips people up there. And then this, this all sort of is compounded by the fact that if you are searching for any of this material, you just can't hop on a regular keyboard and punch in, oh, what's that symbol? Or like, there's yeah. no, none of these characters are on my keyboard anyway. I have to build, I'm going to build a custom keyboard. For all this <laughs> <at some point. laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so again, a little tricky there. Another gotcha. Um, and I find even, even experienced observers get tripped up by this. They'll see beta, they'll see the Greek letter beta. So the the big B uh, cursive style uh, followed by a number. And they think that's the Bayer star, the the beta star in a constellation. No, if beta is followed by a number, it's a double star. And it's in reference to uh, Sherburn Burnham, his double star catalog. So Sherburn Burnham, like double stars, he cataloged many of them, and I don't know who was the brainiac that decided to use the the beta um, in, in front of those letters, but it it makes it confusing. So beta followed by a number is a double star, and it's a Burnham double star. Well, thanks for this, Blake. Do you have any uh, quick final thoughts before we conclude this short show? Um, n- n- no. Um no, I think that's it. Other than uh, sort of surprise, probably you didn't know this coming into the hobby, but you got to learn Greek. Perfect. And Shane, do you have anything to add? Uh, this is great, Blake. Um, I really like the reference here at, uh, on your website. So I, I highly recommend people check that out. That website great. is computer-ease.com slash dark skies slash all Greek. Or you can just Google... Google. You can just Google Blake Lumpy Darkness, where you'll find all sorts of amazing resources. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can always reach Shane and I at actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>